Hi there, I'm Dan, and welcome, or welcome back, maybe, to the Shaw Vineyard Church Podcast. Hey, at the end of this episode, please take just a moment to subscribe in iTunes or in your podcast app of choice. That way, you can get every message from our church straight away on whatever device best suits you. You know, it's our hope that the message that you're about to hear in this episode would encourage you to take your best next step in your faith journey. So let's get straight into it. So I want to, um, because it's early in the series and, and we may be not entirely familiar, I just want to take you through um, the first 10 verses of Matthew uh, chapter 5 again. We read them last week. We may not read them every week, but just to, to, to place where they are. So from Matthew uh, 5, 1 to 12, Jesus saw the crowds. He went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. And he said, And um, these are the Beatitudes that we will come to. So blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This is what Calvin was talking about this morning. And blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. He went on, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. And so um, next Sunday morning, I'll be sharing on blessed are the meek. And next Sunday night here at our evening service, Dr. Jackie Lloyd from um, Laidlaw College will be coming to share on blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. She's part of our morning congregation, so you will love her. She is a a serious intellect and a a serious student of the Bible, and so I think it will be fantastic. goes on, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. November the 10th, we'll be sharing that. And then finally, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And you will recognize some of it, um, a creative uh, work on the um, Beatitudes in the song that we, sang, that we sang in the middle there, just talking about some of these um, blessed moments and some of these challenging moments that they have. And so for us tonight, we're going to look at this whole thing of blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Very important territory, I think. I'd just, I'd just like you to look at those words. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who mourn. And, and just um, there may be some toing and froing and, and, and fine if not. I wonder if, what do you feel when you read those words? What do you notice? What does it do in your heart? Any, any instinctive responses? Blessed are those who mourn. It's good to be vulnerable. Okay, brilliant. What else? Invitation to be like Christ. Indeed. You feel confused. Fantastic. Yeah, what does it mean? Crikey. That puts the pressure on me. Oh, crikey, I've got to come up with something. Anybody else? Come alongside. Okay, cool. Fantastic. Okay, this idea that we're just meant to be happy all the time. Okay. Anything else? I think for me, the thing that I first notice is that my faith is going to involve some times of mourning, it looks like. And, and yet there's part of me that thinks that God probably owes me something and that I should be happy all the time. You know, sort of that, that, that God, that would be God's idea for me, surely, that he would want me to be happy all the time. 
um, I think is, you know, kind of it says to me that I'm going to face times of difficulty and fi- times of disappointment. And I think the second thing that I notice as I, as I ponder that whole thing is that, that God will be with me as I mourn. Um, because where would the blessedness come from? Where would the blessing come from? Surely it would come from him. Surely it would come from Jesus who has experienced mourning himself, who has experienced suffering himself, and who will comfort me in my mourning, although seemingly not remove it from my life, um, according to this anyway. So mourning and comfort, it seems, are not two opposites, which we may well think. You know, we, we kind of think, well, surely you're not mourning and being comforted. They're not so oxymoronic as we might um, have an idea of. Instead, mourning, we, we might think, is a, a vital aspect of who we are, vital aspect of our humanity, a vital aspect of our faith. Um, and a window, we would be encouraged perhaps with this beatitude, a window into a new and deeper relationship with God, which is an incredible thing, I think. So the French-Dominican Jean-Claude Sagne says, above all, the Beatitudes are a portrait of Jesus himself. So they're they're showing us a window of Jesus. So when we're looking at this, and and we we teased a little bit of this out, we're we're actually beginning to see what God is like. We're beginning to see what Jesus is like. And so Jesus who mourns, Jesus who, who became the definition of mourning at the cross, Jesus who personifies mourning, will lead us through mourning and into comfort. He won't necessarily take us the reason for the mourning away, but he will lead us into comfort. And so 2 Corinthians 1.9 says that a benefit of suffering is that we rely not on ourselves, but on the God who raises the dead. And so mourning connects us with a powerful God. Mourning connects us with a God who, who raised you know, who raises the dead. Mourning connects us with some sort of, um, I don't know, encounter with God that is beyond what we may well be able to experience if we were just happy all the time, if, if that was the case. I think it's fair to say that in the West, we don't do mourning particularly well. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a father, father of four. I think back to when I was raising little kids. Um, my, if, if my children were to say, what was, what was Vic like as a father? One of the first things they'd say is, this is what he always said whenever we would hurt. I would say, give it a rub. Just give it a rub. It'll be all right. It sort of seems pretty harsh, but I, I, I'm not saying that as a confession. It's like, I think that's a really great thing to say to your kids when they're sort of crying. Give it a rub. It'll be all right. Um, I always used to say to them, you know, you've got to be tough to be a Francis, you know. Kind of, you know, kind of we're, we're, a, we're a tough breed. You've got to be tough to be a Francis. We don't do mourning very well. We don't do vulnerability very well. We don't do when things don't go very well. We don't do them very well. And yet it hasn't always been like this. Queen Victoria um, was in mourning for her, for her departed husband, Prince Albert, um, for something like 40 years. She was the, the, the monarch in England from um, 1864 to 1901, 67 years. And for 40 years, she was in black in mourning. And sometimes you may know still that we would wear black um, to funerals or something like that, black armbands. That sort of, it doesn't extend directly to Queen Victoria, but it was cemented into our Western culture by Queen Victoria's what they called widow's weeds. Widow's weeds were the black clothes that were worn at the time. But in other cultures, even today, um, mourning is handled completely differently. And so this is a, a Middle Eastern funeral. And, and, and so our, our pain and our, 
and our anguish is allowed to is allowed to just flow out whereas perhaps in western culture it's our it's our investment is is you won't get to see what i really think or what i'm really like i don't think we do mourning very well and so there's nothing in our in our room tonight that would suggest which of us are in mourning which of us have had a significant loss which of us at the moment are, are really struggling there's nothing we can wear there's not a there's not really a badge there's not really a, a style of clothing or something like that that you could say and so you know kind of I, I remember you know kind of the day of my father's funeral and coming out of the funeral service and it's like you know to everybody passing I just look like a, just a normal person but today I've buried my father and so we we would all understand and, and, and be aware of moments like that that have been incredibly significant, but nobody can know. Nobody knows because we don't have that. And so I don't think we do it that well, but we do mourn, don't we? We do have those moments. And so tonight what I want to do is I want to explore what I think are probably three types of mourning, and maybe these aren't um, comprehensive and we have referred to them. I want to, I want to talk about mourning for ourselves. I want to talk about mourning for others. And I want to talk about mourning for God, which will probably stretch us a little bit in terms of our theology and thinking, well, how could we mourn for God? And we'll get to that. And I also wanted to explore comfort. What does it mean to be comforted by God? And I think if we can do that, we'll make a little bit of progress along the way. So blessed are those who mourn for themselves, for they will be comforted, if I can extend the, the idea of this particular beatitude. You know, the most obvious mourning that we do is when we mourn for ourselves. And as I say, all of us will have experienced something of this. The, the obvious things are, you know, the losing of a loved one. And some of us here, whether we're young or old, have lost loved ones in our lives. We will know the desolation that that causes, the, the, you know, the incredible grief, the incredible loss. That doesn't really heal with time, I don't think. But maybe we just get better at living with it over the course of time. I mean, the ironic thing about life and the way we're wired is the greater we love, the greater the pain of parting. But it's worth loving. It's worth loving to run the risk or, or, or to know that in the end that there is a, a pain of parting. But nevertheless, the pain is very, very real. But it's not only the, you know, kind of the catastrophic loss of somebody, you know, kind of who is, who is so much a part of our lives, but we mourn for other reasons as well. Sometimes we'll mourn for our health, you know. Maybe we've, we've taken a hit in some way um, in terms of health that will, you know, kind of we'll never be quite the same again. Or a relationship that's lost, um, not by death, but by a breakdown of some sort and and, and, and we will identify, I'm sure, with that. Or, or maybe a job situation or, a, or, or an expectation, perhaps, that we might have had. You know, many things, big and small, and I don't, I don't mean to sort of trivialize them by, by, by meshing together the big and small, but we feel them, don't we, whether they are big or small. We feel them deep in our heart. So I, I, I'm in serious, serious story. I... I remember the sense of loss the day I realized I'd never be an all black. <laughs> so it's sort of a bad time to talk about being an all black at the moment, so it's probably quite a good thing not to have been. But when I realized that I wasn't good enough to be an all black, no matter how much I trained and how much I tried, and there was a little piece of me at that point that was sort of, I was just, I was just bereft. It's like, surely that's the only thing I ever want to do in my life is to be an all black. 
And I lost, or I realized that I'd lost it. There's no way that that would ever happen. There was a, a sadness that came on me on that. So thwarted ambitions or dreams that we have unrealized or being overlooked. We've all been overlooked at some time. How we look. You know, probably we've, we've probably all looked in a mirror and thought, I wish I had hair. <laughs> or maybe you didn't. Oh, is that just me? We've probably all looked in the mirror and thought, I don't know, I wish my skin was darker, I wish my skin was lighter, I wish my eyes were blue instead of brown, or, you know, kind of, I wish I had freckles or not freckles or something like that. You know, I, I wish, I wish, I wish. We probably all had that sense of, man, I'm not as, I'm not as good as I thought I'd be or as I wanted to be. Um, how popular we are, these sorts of things. We may also mourn our own sinfulness, our bad habits, our, our propensity to fall short. You know, one of the desert fathers, 4th century, out in the desert said, he who cries over his sins is greater than he who revives the dead, which would take us right into Matthew 5.4. He who cries over his sins, realizing what he's like, there's a mourning that would take place, is better than he who raises the dead. There's something about us identifying ourselves in mourning that is really significant. And while we may not call all of these things mourning ourselves, it would be true, I'm sure, tonight, that every single one of us carries sadness in our life. Sadness of things that have happened and sadness of things that haven't happened. And Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are you in your sadness, for you will be comforted. And so today, tonight, what I want us to do progressively in communion later on and in prayer in a few minutes. I want, I want us to take those mournings, to take those sadnesses towards Jesus, who is the epitome of mourning as he went to the cross and who says to us, you will be comforted, small stuff as well as big stuff. And so a beatitude that encourages us, is, encourages us to embrace our mourning rather than to ignore it or to deny it. And God will comfort us. So what's this comforting thing all about? For they will be comforted. Blessed are those who mourn for themselves, for they will be comforted. It's a Greek word in, in here translated comforted, parakaleo. Uh, means to console, to encourage, to strengthen, to call to one side. So, so Sandy, who's, who's often here part of our night congregation, our local missions pastor, so many of you all know him. He is, um, he's at his holiday um, caravan this weekend. And, um, but he may be watching on Facebook Live, so if you are, Sandy, we remember you. So he's done a fair bit of the research for the series for all of us who are speaking. And he said to me this week, we're just corresponding a bit about it, and he said, you know, this thing of um, being comforted is not so much a hug, because we would think that, you know, kind of like a mother's hug or a father's hug or something like that. He says it's not so much a hug as a, as a purpose and a divine presence. And so Sandy's translated a little bit of this, blessed are those who mourn. He says, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be called into my presence and have their reason for being renewed. I mean, that's amazing, isn't it? Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are you in those big and small things, for you shall be called into my presence and have your reason for being renewed. I mean, how often in our morning do we feel like we don't have a reason for being anymore? But the comfort of God is going to bring us close to that. I think it's just a fantastic thing. One of the great names of God is comforter. So Jehovah uh, Nakam, 
means the Lord is my comfort, my comforter. In uh, Isaiah fifty one twelve, he says, "I am He who comforts you." That's Jehovah Nakam. That's the that's the name of God. Um, in uh, Isaiah sixty six, as one who uh, whom his mother comforts, so I will comfort you. Again, that whole um, idea of being the comforter is something that God has in him and on him and is. The Holy Spirit, John fourteen twenty six, is described as the Paraclete. Same root word of what we were talking about before, variously translated, but often translated as the comforter, and also the advisor, you know, also the advocate. And so, and so we have the sense of God. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 7, 6, that God comforts the downcast. This is the invitation of God for us. And so God the comforter says to his people in Isaiah chapter 40, verses 1 and 2, comfort, comfort my people after the ruin of Jerusalem and the destruction of the temple. And you know, at the end of that comfort scripture, the temple is still ruined and Jerusalem is still ruined, but somehow God has come near to them to comfort them in their time of distress and in their time of need. This is a very powerful thing. Well, there's another scripture that you'll be aware of perhaps. In Luke 4.18, Jesus is in the, t- in the temple, in the synagogue, and he takes the scroll from Isaiah and he reads out and he makes this great kingdom announcement. He says, um, you know, um, he quotes from Isaiah uh, and, and, and um, announces the coming of the kingdom, announces him being the fulfillment of the prophecy in Isaiah. And I want to read this to you and I want to pray this over you from the God of comfort. And I'm going to pause at a couple of points. And so I'd, I'd love you maybe just to, just to close your eyes and to become aware of your sadnesses and to become aware of your sorrows and aware of your mournings. And they may not be, you know, big on any scale or they may be huge. But God knows them. And I want to take you towards them and I want to ask God for a moment to come beside you and bring you comfort. And I'm believing that this is going to be a real thing that's going to take place in our midst, even in the midst of this message. And so Isaiah 61, from 1 to 3, says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. And Lord, I pray you'd bring your comfort over our mourning. Would you draw close? Would you, Lord, call us into your presence and have our reason for being renewed. Lord, that you would provide comfort. And I just encourage you just to open your hearts into those areas. This is not a prayer for the removal. This is the prayer for the presence of God in the midst of, significantly, importantly. comfort all who mourn. 
It goes on and says, And provide for those who grieve in Zion and bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes and then the oil of joy instead of mourning. And we pray, we continue to pray, Lord, that even within that mourning experience, that joy would come, that there would be a sense of who and what you are and a garment of praise, it says, instead of a spirit of despair. Now, this comfort's going to be hard won. It's not just a flicking of the switch that we've been saying already. Sometimes we're going to be angry at God. Sometimes we're going to be um, incensed at the sense of unfairness. Unfairness is a fact of life that we are going to, we're going to know in our lives and we're going to experience it in our lives. But the comfort for those who mourn is something, is something to come alongside that. And so there are going to be times where it's going to be a difficult journey for us. But as Psalm 30 verse 5 says, the nights of crying your eyes out give way to the days of laughter. There is an invitation of God to with him to cry out our eyes because there's a promise of something to come. So blessed are those who mourn for themselves. It's okay to mourn for yourself for you will be comforted. For you will be comforted. For you will be comforted. To go a bit of deeper, but a little bit deeper, I think Jesus would also say, Blessed are those who mourn for others, for they will be comforted. Probably the ones who mourn for others and also the ones that we are being that we are mourning for. We talked last week about the Beatitudes taking us deeper into the heart of Jesus. And Jesus who mourned and still mourns invites us to not only mourn for ourselves, but also to mourn for others. So in Romans 12, 5, it says, we weep with those who weep. So one of the things about our, our faith and our life and our, our community, this is why, you know, kind of um, uh, prayers of joys and concerns are so amazing. Because when you share your concerns, we get to weep with each other. And when we share your joys, we get to celebrate with each other. This is, it just doesn't have to be in the formality of this, but it's, it's to know and to be known and to say, I'm hanging on by a thread and I need you to know that and I need you to watch out for me and I need you to be alongside me or, you know, kind of, or I've, I've, just, got, I've just got an excess and abundance of faith and joy at the moment. I want to share that. That's what, that's what we're trying to create. We're not trying to, you know, let's have another row. It was another row. It was another row. Well, that was a really good night. It's like it's the, it's, the, it's the connection with each other that we're able to, to work with those things. In the um, Eastern Church, sometimes you call it the Orthodox Church, the gift of tears is considered one of the most pre precious gifts and a sign of the Holy Spirit. The gift of tears over people's situation, even our own situations maybe. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 1, 3 to 6, it says, He comes alongside us when we go through hard times, and before you know it, he brings us alongside someone else who is going through hard times. Why? So that we can be there for that person as God was there for us. Blessed are those who mourn for others. Blessed are those who have been comforted and are able to comfort others. This is a, this is a wonderful invitation that we have of God and a calling into to Christ-likeness. It's, it's not all about us. Oh, it is about us because of the love of God, but it's not all about us because we have others that God will put in our path. He finishes, we have plenty of hard times that come from following the Messiah, but no more so good than the hard times of his healing comfort. We get a full measure of that too. So as a pastor, 
Um, I have had times of being with people, with families maybe, or with individuals in really extreme parts of their lives. That's kind of part of our job from time to time as pastors. And so, and so that's always an intimidating process. It's always hard to be with someone who's mourning or, you know, kind of in your head, it's always hard. But I've always found that there's some of the most rich and powerful times and I just thought, you know, kind of one thing that I've learned, I, I don't say at all that I'm, I'm good in those situations, but one thing that I've learned, if you're ever with someone in mourning, the key is that you're with them. The key is not to have the answer. It's not a key to have the answers. You can go in with no answers at all. People in extreme mourning and extreme situations, they don't usually want answers. They just want to be, I don't know, held or noticed or cried with or supported or loved in, in whatever way. And we can all be that, and again, in big ways and in small ways, as we're vulnerable to each other, as we open ourselves to one another. So also, blessed are those who love others, for they will be comforted. And then, and then finally, a, a deeper thought that I chickened out of a little, blessed are those who mourn for God and I chickened out of it and put in with God if you, if you struggle with mourning for God. But blessed are those who, who mourn for God, or blessed are those who mourn with God. You know, the, win, the, the Beatitudes are a window to the heart of God. And God mourns. God the Father mourns. Jesus mourns. The Holy Spirit mourns. This is a window into the nature of God. We think, well, surely He, does, he, he knows everything. He's self-sufficient. No, He mourns. He, he, he has heart. And we, and we can understand that with him. Jesus wept over his friend Lazarus' tomb in John 11. He wept again over the lostness of the people of Israel in, in Luke chapter 19. And in Hebrews um, uh, 5 verse 7, it says, During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears. And so there was something about about being in this world that tore Jesus' heart. And that means, in other words, it tears the heart of God. And so if I was to ask you this question, what do you think God mourns today? What do you think that God mourns today so that we could mourn too? Any thoughts? The unsaved. Mourns people who who don't know him, have lost, lost him, or, or who are lost. The last, the lost, the least, we're saying about it tonight. What else does he mourn? Yeah, I think so. How can he not? What else does he mourn? War? Yeah. Because it's not meant to be like that. What else? hungry. I'm sure that God mourns those things. And we get to enter in, not only to our own mourning, and not only to each other's mourning, but into the mourning of God. And maybe we could rewrite it. Blessed are those who mourn with the things that God mourns, for they will be comforted. What an incredible invitation it is for us to be mourning the thing that God mourns. Blessed are those who feel God's heart for the world. 
for they will be comforted. It's an invitation here. Blessed are those who mourn the lostness, brokenness, pain, and suffering all around them. Those are the things that we've talked about perhaps today. For they will be comforted. Blessed are those who mourn with the pain of the world. For they will be comforted. Blessed are those. Fill in the blanks for yourself. For they will be comforted. And so it's so much more, so much deeper than, you know, blessed are those who mourn because I feel sorry for my own situation or, you know, kind of my own small situation or my own enormous situation for you will be comforted. It's an entering in to the reality of who and what God is in this incredible relationship. And we will be comforted. And of course, out of our comfort, I'm sure we will respond around some of the things that we're talking about tonight because you can't just mourn and not take action. What a challenge, isn't it? What a challenge to, to live these beatitudes, to take them beyond sort of their face value and to, and to, and to add them and figure them out what they mean into our lives today. And so what I want to encourage you this week is not just see this as a sermon or, you know, some sort of message, but to see it as an invitation to wrestle with it. I, I doubt that any of us maybe has ever gone out into our week out of a church service and said, I am going to learn what it is to mourn this week, to mourn with God, to feel his comfort, to recognize my own mourning, others' mourning, and indeed his mourning. But what a challenge that is for us. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. And if you're in the Forest Hill or the Bays area of Auckland's North Shore, we would so love to have you at our next service this Sunday. You can get details on service times and more info on our kids and student environments by visiting svc.org.nz. That's svc.org.nz. Hope you have a great day and we'll see you next time here on the podcast.